LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Jerry Kenner. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. That was a very, very <laughs> vibrant opening from you, Derek. Thank you. Normally is- not as cheery. No, really? Really? What makes it sad? Well, I've been listening back to a lot of episodes. Just the start. <laughs> just the start. Just to give some feedback. <laughs> yeah, just feedback to... is an important part of relationships, I think. Now, the one thing's brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. And for the month of April, a great ministry tool provided by Lifeway Leadership, Ministry Grid. Ministry Grid. But for now, you press play on episode 52 of The One Thing, The Sending Church. Now, Derek, we all want our churches to be making disciples, and we want our churches to be multiplying leaders and and sending out people uh, for the Great Commission, uh, both here in Australia and and across the world. Uh, Some churches here in Australia are able to do that more effectively. Uh, A lot of churches uh, are really just adding, and they're not actually multiplying sending out. Uh, Today, we've got got a real treat. We're talking with uh, Pastor J.D. Greer from the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham in the United States, uh, about what he has done at Summit. Uh, to help them as a church have a culture of sending. So we have, uh, we're really happy to have J.D. Greer, he's the pastor of Summit Church, Rally Durham, North Carolina here today. J.D.'s led uh, Summit in a bold vision to plant a thousand new churches by the year 2015. In comparison, Geneva Push, our church playing network, we want to do hundreds. Hundreds, hundreds. hundreds but that's 1,000. <laughs> Small one Australian vision. Yeah. yeah, so in the last 10 yeah, years, well, the church <laughs> sent, sorry, J.D., J.D., good to hear, have you, mate? Okay. They always complain about Americans. We're just trying to add a zero to everything. So, <laughs> no, that's good. I feel like I need to update ours as well. Well, in the last ten years, you've sent six hundred fifty people to live on church playing teams, North Carolina. That's huge. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying. That. I mean, a few things I should be clear on. Um, we have a church that is very. It's uh, we're a lot of college, a lot of college students, a lot of young professionals. Raleigh, Durham. Uh, I think the last time I looked at the whole triangle, which is all the cities right around here, there's about two million people. So it's a big city. Um, there, mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, college students. And, and so what we've done is we've tried to you know, raise up this idea that that calling is not like some kind of special experience that's only reserved for a sacred few people who've gone to seminary. That that when you, you know, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men, which means that when you accepted the call to follow Jesus, you also accepted the call to to be sent, to, to be sent to somebody. And so what we teach our students is um, uh, that, you know, uh, the question is no longer if you're called, the question is really just where and how. And what that's done is it's created, it's sort of reset the deck. And so instead of sitting around people People sitting around, you know, waiting on God to give them a warm, tingly feeling or to spell out something in their Cheerios or their alphabet soup, you know, saying, here's what I want you to do. It it basically says, hey, look, you're called. So where where is God going to, to send you? We say that following the call of God means means whatever you're good at. Do that well to the glory of God, but also do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Like of all the factors that go into where you plant your life and pursue your career, why wouldn't the kingdom of God be the largest of those factors? I mean, you know, th- th- there are lots of valid reasons to move to a city or to go somewhere in the world. Maybe it's because you are, uh, you know, maybe it's because it's, it, 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 there's a, a good living environment. There, the, the jobs are good. Maybe your family's close by, and those are all great. But why wouldn't the why wouldn't the mission of God be the largest and most influential of those factors? And as we put that vision out there, uh, God, it's just really caught on. 
I mean, and 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 we every year we stretch across a number of people off uh, across our stage. Um, uh, uh, the people that are being go- going on 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 domestic church plants as well as international church plants, and it's it's inspiring when I see how I'm always like, you know, I never thought I'd be so excited to see so many people leave our church. JD, I think it's helpful that you sort of give us that context. It's a city of two million people. It's a it's a campus or college city, so you do have those natural sort of inflows and outflows. Right. Uh, but it still is quite extraordinary that you sent out the amount of people. Uh, how how important is it that you actually model that vision? Because I you know I, I hear vision just in just in that brief interaction. Then how important is it for you, the senior pastor, to model that to the church? And how have you done that? I mean, I, I don't want to throw out cliches, but but there's certain things that are you know caught, not taught, and mm. um, there's a certain like, like I feel like the biggest thing that has changed in me. This is my I think 18th, no no 17th year of being a pastor, and one of the biggest changes, the biggest mind shift sets is I used to think that it was once you had a perfect strategy and could preach a perfect sermon, then then you'd be able to move people. But but mm-hmm. really things come they, they they they're more they're more powerful and sustained when they come out of culture. Uh, Peter Drucker, who's a famous leadership uh, guru here in the United States, he used to say that that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And once you produce a culture, the culture will produce whatever strategy you're trying to to accomplish. And so, as I have tried, you know, I, I, I we made a commitment, my wife and I, that I'll go on you know at least three mission trips every two years. Um, mm-hmm. Made a commitment that we give a certain part of our personal finances. We've also made a commitment that our church gives about twenty percent of its of its income away to um, to you know, to, to to missions and church planting, and that it just creates this culture that just reinforces at every level. We end, we we end every service by saying, "You are sent," um, reminding people that that the Christian life is to live sent. That God is like a spiritual cyclone. Once he he never pulls you into himself without without also thrusting you back out on mission. And so for me, it's it's huge because it, it's just part of the culture. Once the culture is there, then sending sort of happens on its own. If you know what I mean. Yeah, mm. no, it's great. And you've like the the vision that someone is really simple: love God, love each other, love the world. But even in your conversation, what you're saying here, I can hear these ministry plumb lines you you talk about, you've identified coming I, through. Excuse me. Like the the question is no longer if you're called; it's only where and how. Yep. How important are those ministry plumb lines to you? To the culture that you've created, well, Summit? I, I, I'm I'm impressed that you're astute <laughs> enough to pick up. I'm like, cause, cause <laughs> we've got the internet down here in Australia. We, we can do research. We're, we're quite this. yeah. Well, what you're hearing are lines that I literally repeat ad nauseum until I am sick. <laughs> one of the one of my mentors told me. He said, "Look, JD, when you're when you are sick of saying it, that means your staff has just heard it. And when they're mm-hmm. sick of hearing it, then mm-hmm. that means that the congregation probably heard it for the first time. So what we've done is over the years, we've just established a number of things that are plumb lines. It's like a North Star of ministry that, that we just repeat all the time. And people know this is, this is what, what shapes our values. And one of those, you mentioned them, it's, um, it's that you know question is no longer if you're called, it's where and how. We say that sending capacity not seating capacity is the measure of success for our church. Mm. Um, we will we'll, we'll say things like um, that, you know, the gospel, um, the gospel is not just the diving board, it's the pool, that the way that, that you're going to grow in, in Christ is the way is by going deep in Christ. And so there's all these things that are there. And the more that I, I repeat them, you know, one of my main, main, main responsibilities here at the church is I lead a pastoral team of, uh, you know, a couple hundred people and, and um, I teach them once a month. And pretty much what I'm doing is teaching through these ministry plumb lines to, mm-hmm. they're just part of the bloodstream and, and they just roll off the tongue and and this is who we are and and, and what we're about 
Uh, we're just going to take a break now just to uh, talk about the month of April, the toolbox sponsored by Ministry. Everyone has challenges in churches, training volunteers, training leaders, um, and it is hard often to know where to start. So LifeWay Leadership have developed Ministry. It's a, a solution with over 3,000 training videos. The work's already been done for you. Um, it's training you can trust. Every ministry video features experienced ministry leaders. Uh, we have partnered with LifeWay Leadership, um, and we are rolling out Australian content for this. You can generate your own content as well, uh, PDS videos, YouTube videos, whatever you like. Uh, ministry Grid, great plan at the moment. Unlimited access for your church, so you don't have to worry about seats and moving people around and whether the people will fit, no matter what your size is, Ministry Grid. So let me open the toolbox. My top three must-have resources for the Sending Church are uh, Plumb Lines of Summit. What's really helpful is to uh, understand these sort of short catchphrases that, as JD says, he just says over and over and over again until he's sick of them uh, because by that stage, hopefully, his people will, will know them. So we'll put a link to those plumb, plumb lines. There's 16 of them. Um, have a look at them. They're quite helpful. Uh, now, Derek, you've been reading um, JD's latest book as well. I reckon that's a, a great resource to. I don't know uh, if it's his, it's hard to know. He does write a, a lot. It's a recent one, not God enough. Yeah, it's been excellent. Uh, just think about the fact that we often have a very small view of God, uh, and that does shape how we um, uh, how we do life, how we do ministry, how we see ourselves. It's excellent. Not God enough. Another one of his great books, especially on this topic as well, is Gaining by Losing. Uh, that's where you'll be able to sort of press in in more detail into some of those key. Uh, plumb lines. And then the final resource, uh, it's a resource that's been developed uh, to sort of fire up the Southern Baptists. Uh, it's called The Gospel Above All. Uh, who's your one? It's a great resource to help local churches uh, mobilize their people to in- invite to church to actually uh, take the gospel message out. Now back to our conversation with JD. So you've mentioned regularly coming back to these plumb lines. Uh, I, I want to sort of press into you personally. Uh, your two to three mission trips every two years. So you lead short-term mission trips to North America, overseas. What what, and how have you sort of created that culture in the church of, of going? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I, I spent my first two years in, Af- in ministry as an overseas missionary in a Muslim country. Uh, in fact, it's over in Southeast Asia, which, you know, that's not Australia, but it's uh, at least, you know, that direction. And so um, it, uh, you know, spent there and it just, it just sort of comes out. I, I know that I always say that God called me to the pastorate by calling me to the mission field. And mm-hmm. the way he, he never released my call to the mission field after I became a pastor. And I, I you know, I realized that as I go through the Bible, the whole Bible is focused on the gospel getting to the ends of the earth. Every passage is a mission is a missional passage. Um, C.H. Wright wrote that book, The Mission of God, and one of the things he points out in there is is literally every every verse has as its trajectory the completion of the mission of God. His, his famous statement is, "God doesn't have a church for his mission; he has a mission." Excuse me, God doesn't have a mission for his church; he created a church for his mission, and I, and, and it's just that comes out. I think when I'm teaching, when I when I'm going overseas, whether it's to the Dominican Republic or to India or you know to to New York City. Um, uh, or across, you know, our own city here in, in Raleigh, Durham. It's it's this idea that that we're, we are to be going, and that God has given us careers, He's given us skills and capacities, and everybody's called. and And why not use? Why not leverage that that mobility that God has given you to be in a place where we need to plant a church? By God's grace, we just sent out our 1130th member um, last week mm-hmm. ago. 
on one of these trips. Um, about half of those are domestic and about the other half are international. And it's just come from saying it's not because we raise a, a bazillion dollars and send them all. It's because we say, hey, some of you have have jobs that can transfer into places where we want to plant a church. And, and that's where it's kind of taken off. Yeah. Now, often churches have a culture of scarcity, but it sounds like uh, you've got a culture, yeah, not of scarcity, but of, you know, we've got loads, you know, loads of God's resources. We want to just send them out. How do you deal with sending no, out your exactly best right. people, I, I, you know? <laughs> well, you just asked a hard question. Um, yeah, look, can, I, can, I, can I answer both those things you just said? Um, yeah. One of them, you said that principle of scarcity. I, I realize we all have limited resources, and if we had resources mm-hmm. more, we'd, we'd do more missions. But um, <laughs> I read this, and I'm going to say it from the perspective of an American. Um, but the number of missionaries from all evangelical denominations that are in the 1040 window, 1040 windows is – that you know that that part of the world between the tenth and fortieth parallels that mm. is where most of the you know un, uh, unreached people unreached out. Yeah, it's, it's only forty thousand. That's 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 if you add up every evangelical denomination. The number of Americans, United States citizens, who are working in the ten forty window on a secular platform, that number is two million. Wow. Now, now, normal demographic trends in the United States would mean that about thirty six percent of them identify as born again. You know, as 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 like you know, kind of Christians that. That we Christians ourselves, right? And mm. so, if you if you take that number thirty six percent, and you just write off two thirds of them as not that serious about their faith, if you just had a third of that number, that would mean two million of uh, two million Americans. You've got um, two hundred thousand that are disciple making disciples living in the ten forty window. What if their vision was that they are there not only to do a job but to make disciples? Man, it, it'd take our mission force in the 1040 window from 40,000 to 240,000 without costing the church another dime. And so, yeah, mm. all, even the Great Commission says, as you're going, the, the command to go is almost a recognition that, man, life is going to, your job is going to carry you around mm. the world. Mm. You go make disciples. So, all right, the second part of your question was, how do you deal with all the um, sending out your best? That is by yeah. far. <laughs> that is one of the painful things because, I mean, in case you, you know, one of your listeners doesn't doesn't put this together, the kind of people who volunteer to leave your church and go on church plants are not usually fringe people who admit it. <laughs> they're not. No. Right? They're leading ministries, and it's it's every year when we stretch that group across the state that's going to leave to go out and plant a church. I, I part of me like is like I'm, I'm not even sure what we're doing. Like, why am I doing this? Because I'm looking at people on the stage who are friends and ministry leaders. But it, it's just like anything else in the kingdom of God. Um, you can't outgive God. And the way that, that God multiplies when you open your hands and you give it away, it's like a, you know the seed in John 12, that when it's put into the ground, that's when it, it multiplies. And I, I'll just say that after doing this now for you know um, going on two decades, this is another area where I, I say without any reservation, you can't outgive God. We know how to teach our people to do this with their money. We, we, we tell them, hey, give God your first and your best, whether you feel like you can afford it or not. But churches don't don't know how to do it with their leaders, with with their resources. You know, why would it, why would why would why would my people, why would our people be willing to give the first and the best of their money if I'm not willing to give the first and the best of our leaders away to the mission? Mm, that's great. That's you, great. You've got this great part of your website that's uh, summitchurch.com slash jobs that I, I found. I said to a friend, uh, he asked me, was I telling him to apply for a job at uh, Summit, which he could do worse than that. But that's, it was a great <laughs> part of your side that just yeah. gave me this insight into there is a culture here of training leaders to send. How, how is it you do that and that your internships, your traineeships, how do you develop leaders in there? 
Well, it starts on the small group level. You know, every small group leader, we just try to build that into the culture. Um, there is, is certainly a part of every ministry assignment here at the Summit Church, like a staff person that knows that they're not supposed to be leading all the ministries. They're supposed to be training leaders. It starts with issuing this kind of thing of like, you know, God has called you. And so our, one of our jobs as leaders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I, you know, I, I always, you know, every, almost every pastor knows Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, where it says God gave the pastors for the equipping. But I tell our people that means that when I became a pastor, I left the ministry. Like the saints do the ministry. I, I got behind them. And so, you know, we, we, we put that out there. We say that uh, the best ministry ideas are in the congregation, uh, not in the, you know, not in the offices of the, the church. And so our job is to come behind um, our, our members and help unleash their potential for ministry. Um, you know, it's just a number of things that I think are trying to return the, the, the responsibility and the opportunity of ministry to return that to the people and not to, and not to the officers of the church. That's, that's really helpful, JD. We, 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 I'd love to keep talking with you. We've uh, got to, got to put a halt to, uh, talk to it. That brings us to the end of our show though. So JD, what's the, the one thing people should be taking away when it comes to the sending church? It's that Jesus's Jesus's passion and his promises about the greatness of the church are never are never about one one person one leader developing this large platform where everybody comes and benefits from the anointing that God has put on them. Um, Jesus's vision for the greatness of the church is when ordinary members ordinary members feel empowered by the Holy Spirit and released to do the ministry that God has for them to do. Thirty nine out of forty miracles in the Book of Acts. Acts happen outside of the church, which means that ordinary people are the ones who ought to be seeing the greatest movements of God in their neighborhoods, their schools, in their workplaces. And so, man, you know, you're called. The question is no longer if, but but where and how. So that's kind of a, a long rambling one thing, but that would be the one thing. <laughs> Thanks, JD. Uh, excellent. It's great. Uh, it's been great having you with us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. If you like what you heard today on The One Thing, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment to rate the show on iTunes and even leave a comment. Uh, we'd also love to get your questions, so please uh, send through your questions to uh, to The One Thing. Now, we're a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, and I want to encourage you to check out one of our podcast partners. Have you listened to the Making Disciples podcast? We had Robbie Gatterley uh, on with us recently. And now as part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, you can uh, hear such great topics as how can you actually have fun in ministry? What? Uh, how gaming connects with discipleship. I reckon that's, <laughs> that deserves a what too. And uh, discipleship lessons from Israel. So just look up Making Disciples yeah. on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Just trying to work out how Tetris fits in with it. It's the only game I played. All right, coming up next week, thanks for joining us, uh, Pastor JD, and thank you for joining us another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode, more of JD Greer. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about uh, denominations, Southern Baptist, and how it is he's trying to help them think through the gospel above all, rather than just holding on to power. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. Chat soon.